This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. It's time to go back again. Imagine hop in our time machines with us and go back to the distant days of November 2023. Yeah. <laughs> when I read a little novella called All Systems Read by Martha Wells, the first book, the first novella in the blockbuster in some circles. Yeah. Yeah. For Rurabot real. Robot Diaries series. And now, okay. All right. We, we went in the time machine. We saw that. Now come forward back to the present day with us in the time machine. Back to the future. And I've, I have read, oh, back to the present. I've read Network Effect, which is the first full length novel in the Murderbot series. And we're going to talk about that. Also by month, Martha Wells. All, yeah. Also by Martha Wells. This month, all about sequels. Second month sequels it's not always the second book it's like we're doing like the fifth book i didn't even think second month second second, second book. book but we didn't yeah. do that which is fine mm, no I actually, but, but that's a good that's good though i actually think this book and the next next month we're gonna go do squeakles and i don't even know how that <laughs> stacks up don't dare me to program the like junior book edition of the squeakle on our show Okay, I won't do that, but now you've had the idea, mm-hmm. and it's just floating out mm-hmm. there for somebody to do something with. <laughs> I don't know. People <laughs> seem to latch on to the fact that we read a Garfield book six months ago, so anything is possible. I mean, I, I latched on to that. Well, that, yeah. was, that was partly that was me. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I don't, yes, I should not not give you credit. You did. Yes, the, the Patreon Discord, patreon.com slash overdrepod, if you want access to this, has developed a, among the many, like, sentences it's developed the things about it that have gone beyond our control much like a murder bot with its governor module turned on uh-huh uh there's a rich garfield culture that's kind of developed yeah over the last few months and we don't mean culture like bacteria there is like a thriving i mean maybe we there's a thriving enthusiasm mm-hmm. for garf a culture of garfield yes um so go there join mm-hmm. us please yes um murder bot but we're back here, and I, I was going to say that I think this is this and next week's Percy Jackson book. I think were like the two books that kind of maybe led us to this idea a little bit. You had the idea of the sequel when I think this book came pretty naturally right away after we started talking about it because your first impulse after reading the first Murderbot novella was to read the second one just to see what happened. Yeah, I read it. So I, when uh, we talked about it in November, I read the first one for the show and then I gone ahead and read the second one. Yeah. I listened back to that episode today just so I remembered what I'd said. Because even in, even three months ago, it's like, well. A very heady three months, yes. A lot, of, a lot has happened in the last three months. I'll tell you about it sometime, everybody. <laughs> or maybe I won't. I don't know. It's not. Whatever. But I had read the second one partly because I wanted to make sure we had enough to talk about for an hour Mm -hmm. because Murderbot has a very distinctive voice. um, But 
as far as like thematic things, like it's just like each of those. So, so the way the, the series is structured is like the first four stories. So all systems read artificial condition, rogue protocol, exit strategy. All four of those came out in 2017, 2018. And each one is basically one quarter of one book. Like they, they are each telling their own story and then you, you link them all together and they're telling the story of this, uh, this, uh, cyborg, like robot thing that is like, it, it is, uh, contracted out to different companies who want to use it as a security presence, uh, when they're exploring different planetary systems. Yeah. And it's the, it's the story of this thing, like disabling the chip that keeps it sort of docile and then developing its own personality, but not going on a murderous rampage, no. just basically developing into a person who wants to watch TV and be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so each of these, each of these four stories, like you have, it's mostly about the Murderbot voice. You have a little bit of world building. You have maybe one or two named characters who leave an impression and then a bunch more named characters who are not super important to keep track. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, and like one or two big set piece, like battle things. And then you're out like they're, they're each pretty bite-sized. Digestible. Yeah, sure. Um, but they don't like. If you're even if you're just talking like plot, plot, like blow by blow plot stuff, I worried about that first one being enough to sure, to yeah, for fill sure. a whole hour with. Yeah. And so after I read those first two for the show, I did then read the next two because I was enjoying myself and because they're super short. I was gonna ask, I couldn't remember if you had or if you had yeah, just like, pretty, like summary summaried them. Okay, cool. Because I feel like the I don't remember December's schedule, but I think like. Often we plan it to be a little bit, bit, bit light so we can holidays, like yeah. take holiday breaks and stuff. So I might have just had more reading downtime than I normally have yeah. to do non-show stuff. And you? so that's what I did with it. Look at you reading non-show books. Good for you. Yeah, look at me. I'm great. Well, but now um, we folded it back into content. So you just did extra homework, actually. But I didn't know it was homework at the time. Hey! So... <laughs> Uh, and then network effect is yeah. Martha Wells sits down. And she's like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a big one." And so there there is a lot <laughs> talking about the. <laughs> that's, what most, that's what most writers say when they sit down to write All a right, novel. Crack, you crack your fingers. All right, this one I'm gonna do a big one. I'm gonna do a big one. Um, the the basic structure of a Murderbot story is still here. Like it is still telling one self contained thing, um, but. It does have more time to do a little bit more with some of the themes that we talked about in the first couple stories. Um, it is just like there are other points of view, like characters oh, okay. kind of okay, okay, okay. that get worked into it. And we return to some characters who we met in the first four books, but then, you know, each story kind of left them behind in favor of moving on to a new scenario. Okay. Um, but it's kind of bringing, you know, we, we've we've told one novel's worth of stuff. We've built a world. Now let's bring everything back together and kind of do something that feels a little bigger in scope. And then I and then after that, I think she mostly went back to doing shorter stuff again. Um, the next I one, know, I, I know the next one, Fugitive Telemetry, is like a prequel-ish to this book. There's like a specific mm-hmm. moment in this book that she wanted to do some more setup on. And I that... and kind of the like we've set up some stuff and now let's really expand on it and then like following that up with oh here's something else I want to dial back to she said in every interview that I've read of hers where she's like I don't plan it I just sit down to write a book I like and I tend to write more than I need and like pare it back down and junk stuff um 
And then maybe sometimes some of the junk comes back. And, well, and then as she's like its like, own stuff. And then for the next book, she's like, "Oh, but that other thing was kind of interesting. Let me yeah. dive mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. that." Um, she said about this book, talking to Andrew Liptak, who I think ha- had done one of the interviews I mentioned last time. This was on uh, Transfer Orbit, um, saying. It takes me a while of writing the story to get to what the story really needs to be for each novella, and that's why it takes me so long. Network Effect was the same way. It took me 18 months to write it, and usually for a novel of that size, it takes under a year. I was writing 5, 10, 15,000 words and cutting them out as I went along. Um, and she also talks about wanting to go back and revisit a relationship from the second book mm-hmm. uh, in the original version of Artificial Condition, Art. Uh, who's another AI, I'm led to believe, of some kind. mm -hmm, Okay, mm -hmm. Wasn't much of a character. It was just there for a few paragraphs and backstory. As I was going on, I realized that, no, I needed to write that part of the story because the audience needed to see that part happen. As soon as I uh, started writing art, I realized it needed to be Murderbot and art meeting and forming a relationship, which I think is that book. And then uh, in this one, they run into each other again, and that was one of the reasons she wrote the book, is that she wanted those two characters to get back together, and she thought of a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't find a quote that really explained why Big Book this time, but it's certainly based on her like saying, I don't know, I just kind of dive in there and see what I'm interested in and discover the series along with the reader after four books enough stuff had built up. That she just kind of needed to hit the release valve and let a full book out, I suppose. Yeah, I I can definitely see that being the, like, you you get to this point in a thing, and if you want to keep adding to it, there, like, comes a time where you, like, it's maybe easier to do a bunch of stuff all at once than to keep, like, leaking it out in little tiny bits and pieces. Because this book, like, even though structurally, like I said, it's, it's it's a... it has a lot in common with the other Murderbot like novellas. It's just long now. Sure, <laughs> but I don't think you could split it into discrete chunks. Even, like yeah, yeah. Like regardless of how you you did it, you could even you know if you would split it up by like part of the story or by like who you're hearing from or, or whatever, whatever. Like it, it would be harder to take it and just chop it up. I I want to give a shout out. That's a perfect. Uh, segue to Steve Mullis's NPR review, which he describes uh, the series as a whole. The first four are like the TV miniseries episodes, and then this book is the feature film that you've been working towards. Mm-hmm. And you can always feel when something that was made to be a feature film is like hacked up for TV. You yeah, know? and vice versa when something that was written as a <laughs> yes as as a as a um as a as, as like a two hour thing is stretched out to like a six. I don't hours. know. I, yeah, uh, nobody at Disney in charge of Star Wars has ever done that. No, nobody's ever taken. No, nobody's Schmoby Bomb Bagobi. No, nobody who's played by Ewan McGregor in any yeah. sort of Star Wars kind of property has ever. Uh, being the star of like a two-hour vehicle that was unsatisfactorily stretched into a six-hour vehicle. Yeah, it's, ne- it's never happened. Um, Nobody. Speaking of, um, we'll talk about the TV briefly. Um, it's worth mentioning this book won like the Hugo, the Nebula, and the Locus for like best novel in their respective categories. So I think it kind of helped cement the series. Um, 
And then in between, since our first Murderbot episode happened, Andrew, they did announce the more specifics about the Apple TV adaptation that's oh going to happen. Yeah, and I got feelings about yeah. it, even though I don't like I I I say I don't have like strong feelings about this series, even though I like it and I read like <laughs> I read way more than I need yeah. to read to make content for our stupid podcast. So I just want to share the details in case people don't know. We don't have to dive deep into it, but I know that people have feelings. I think I could sum up like the biggest of the feelings yeah, sure. after you. Yeah. So um, so that we knew it was happening um, and we just didn't know who was involved. So Alexander Skarsgård has been announced as playing Murderbot. He is most like in my memory... He is most recently from Succession, playing yeah. a weirdo rich man. Yeah, like a weird, like Elon Musk type of. He, yeah, guy. he was also on True Blood, um, and he's he's in The Northman. He's just got this like hyper masculinity, but weird energy that makes yeah. him very mm-hmm. compelling. Um, but I do think that that has perhaps turned people off from the the announcement of his casting as Murderbot. It's just, yeah, because Murderbot in the books is explicit, like, explicitly non-gendered. Non-gendered, like not, yeah. Like, not even, even though, like, so in, in this series, um, every everything has, like, a feed and everybody's scanning everybody all the time. And it seems like you can include basic, like, identification stuff about yourself in, like, your scans. Like, everybody has a little... NFC chip in them with their pronouns or whatever. Oh yeah, okay, great. <laughs> and so every like upon Lincoln first bio, meeting, yeah, yeah, up, upon first meeting somebody, you can if they're if they're sharing this information, see you know how they identify and and um and it's not like nobody ever makes a big deal about yeah. any of it except to just note note it when they meet somebody and then the way you're meeting people almost always is through Murderbot. And so it's, yeah, it's just like a good excuse for, because, you know, it's always really jarring when a book is like, he had brown eyes and he was six foot three and it like provides a really explicit, like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) profile of how a character looks or is supposed to be like presented. And in this, it's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a robot absorbing the data that I am, that I am taking in and I'm not, mentioning it to like make a big deal about it i'm just mentioning it and so yeah murderbot is pretty much always referred to as it by everybody Mm -hmm. else um and that's not like a judgment on whether they see murderbot as a person or not it's just the pronouns and it seems to be what murderbot prefers um and we never really get a super explicit like picture of what it's supposed to look like except that like the organic parts of what murderbot is are just this this amalgam of human tissue. And it's not supposed, yeah. it's not supposed to give you any impression one way or the other. And so to have this very hyper masculine sort of guy cast as murder bot, like I'm sure he will do something interesting, I bet he it, will. but it does feel like something is being lost by, and listen, maybe it'll be like Chris Pratt and they're just planning a gender presentation like we've never seen before. <laughs> and it'll be totally, it'll be just like when Chris Pratt played Mario <laughs> And our minds will be blown and changed and everything will be great. Yeah, (laughs) I think he will probably give a compelling performance. It is just it seems like a missed opportunity to maybe cast like a non-binary actor um, rather than somebody whose explicit tool set seems to be like uh, 
weirdo masculinity, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the directing team or Chris and Paul Whites are doing some writing. They have done everything from American Pie to About a Boy. Chris Whites directed the Golden Compass movie and Twilight New Moon. They won awards for About a Boy. Uh, Chris Whites was the co-writer uh, actually, on yeah. Rogue One. I don't One. hate About a Boy. Yeah. Like, and Rogue, Rogue One is good, yeah. but it's... I, I have no mm. problems with Chris Weiss. I just think their resume is really fun. That's a complicated pedigree. I love it. I have no idea what to expect with this. Martha Wells uh, is listed as a consulting producer, and the executive producer is David Goyer, who also uh, produced Foundation for Apple. I don't know if you have thoughts on the Foundation series at all. I have not watched all of it. Um, what I have watched is very pretty to look at and very boring. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's got a whole th- he wrote Black Ops games and worked on the Dark Knight trilogy that's what I put he's done other stuff but that's what I bothered to note in my notes sure so, sure, sure. Um, alright well Andrew I have notes on what, like, what a network effect is and okay. I have some Goodreads reviews but we should probably take a quick break and then you can actually tell me about the book first that sounds great show is sponsored by better help andrew what's a relationship in your life that you're proud of uh hmm, my relationship with my desktop computer which is very well (laughs) maintained sure because you've worked on yourself you know as part of that relationship Uh, you know yeah or yeah or like i work on i work on it so I don't have to think about myself. Well, there's a common misconception, Andrew, that relationships, that, that they have to be easy to be right. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes the best relationships happen when both people or man and computer put in the work to make them great. And what is IT work or rebooting software but a form of therapy for your computer? <laughs> sure. I've installed these updates to make my computer better. Yes. Just like therapy makes your brain better. It it can be a great place to work through challenges that you face in all of your relationships, whether or not they're with a computer or friends, work, or you know anybody in your life. I think therapy is a great tool to talk about what boundaries you do and do not need in these relationships and to kind of set some goals for yourself, both within a relationship or maybe in your work or something like that. Um, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com overdue today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com overdue. Uh, so what do you want to know about this book? What, oh, you, what, what happens in it? What happens in um, it? Okay. You mentioned perspective shifts, so I definitely want to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have read that it involves this AI character that I really don't remember getting a sense of from the first book. So well, all I know it is Murderbot loves yeah. fighting and... Uh, well, doesn't love fighting, but fights and loves TV. So to sum up the first four books, basically, just yeah. so we know where we are at the start. Of Great. This, wonderful. Is Murderbot is a, a sec unit. That's one word intercapped. Yeah, you I love cam- it. You got your camel case going on. Every the, Everything in this is named like a, 
man. Okay, so here's a super relatable reference. It's all named like re- en- entries in the Windows registry. Like it's all <laughs> like there are no there are no spaces. Everyone's a sysadmin. Yeah, intercapped. Yeah, so all the sysadmins. Well, it's out the future. Here. There's like, no time for spaces. It's, it's like regedit.exe, baby. Everybody knows about him. Everybody loves Reggie Edit. Re- Reginald Edit. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh, so it's a sec unit. Uh, sec units all have this thing in them called the governor module, where if they are found to be uh, like disobeying orders, or even if they are just like too far out of range to the people who they've been contracted to, oh. it just fries them. And it's it's like in there alternately to like punish uh, and kill them if they don't do. Oh wow! There. Okay said to do uh but this sec unit for reasons we don't really fully understand has hacked its own governor module and it it has not done this so it can immediately try to make a break for it and make its own way it has done this mostly so it could just like sit and watch tv shows in its in its little like robot cubicle and it like it doesn't know what it wants to do except that it it is bucking this system where it is like enthralled to other like robots and people. I dig, I dig. Um, and so book one is all about this, this group of people um, called uh, this, this sort of the home world is called preservation mm-hmm. is the place where it is. Uh, they are uh, not part of the like larger, like corporate rim society. And so they, like the, the the backstory that you get in network effect, which is interesting and adds adds context, is that so the the corporate rim world sometimes will go out uh, and colonize this other planet, but then like maybe sometimes the company fails or there's like a, a hostile merger or just you know capitalism happens, and these colonists get abandoned, and usually the colony just like dies out, but sometimes every once in a while. You know, a, a colony survives this event where they stop getting like supply drops and people stop like visiting them and they become their own thing. OK. And so preservation is a is a mostly thriving world, like mostly free of capitalist concerns. Mm. Um, and on this on, in this world, uh, AI and like sufficiently advanced robots can be considered people, even though they'd still technically have to have like owners or like overseers. OK. Um. And so uh, Murderbot has been contracted these people. They are primed to see it as a person. And they realize through like close observation that there's something up with this sec unit. And eventually it comes out that it's, it's, you know, quote unquote rogue. It is, it is hacked its governor module and is acting outside of its, you know, assigned duties. Sure. But they, but they also observe, you know, that's it's been protecting us this whole time. It seems to have some kind of like feelings for us. We think we can trust it probably maybe. Um, so the first book ends with uh, Murderbot being bought from the company that rents it out to other people and brought to preservation. And the first thing that the sec unit does is it, it scrambles and leaves mm. uh, in book two. It is hopping. It is sort of, Hopping from ship to ship, like hacking into like bot pilots and computer systems to get itself uh, passage on like cargo ships mostly where it's not going to be noticed and it can just get away. It's trying to find something out about a past incident where it may or may not have killed a bunch of people. Oh, Uh, I won't. We don't we won't talk about that. I don't think in this 
in this uh, in this episode because okay. it's not it's not important to the. Well, I'll just crumple up but all my questions and just talk. One of the, the <laughs> one of the uh, ships that Murderbot hops on for this is a research transport, which also houses this gigantic, all-knowing AI who is like much more knowledgeable and just like bigger, just like <laughs> bigger and smarter. Okay. Than Murderbot, but is also intrigued by Murderbot. Okay. The name the name of this research trans- transport is Art. I can't say what Art stands for on the clean podcast that we run. Yeah, because the A, right? Because the A. Okay. Um, but Murderbot half jokingly, half not thinks that this research transport is kind of a jerk, mm. and so A A R T. Sure. Blank research transport. Yeah. Can we just talk about how like the clean version of the A word in this is one that I hate even more than <laughs> like I don't want to say the B the B word the B version of the word because uh, I think it a, sounds even mm, dirtier. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The yeah, because like the 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 from what I've read, it's like it's like jerkwad, right? It's like yeah, it's kind of like a jerkwad. But if, you know, you were on cable rather than CBS 20 years mm-hmm. ago. And Murderbot from Art learns things like, oh, you know, Art is very attached to its humans. Um, and Murderbot has a lot of those like feelings of attachment, too. Like a, a lot of what is fun about Murderbot's voice is them being like very anxious and, you know, doesn't want to be touched, not interested in like any kind of bodily fluids, <laughs> but is... Like does crave uh, attachment and approval in a way, and is very touched when these kinds of things come up. We'll come back to this a little bit later. Sure. Um, but you know, there, there's like a you know a fun mission ensues. Uh, Art and Murderbot go their separate ways at the end of book two. Art does not appear in the next two. Murderbot. Okay. Cool. Um, but the at the end of book four, it essentially has come full circle where Murderbot is saving sort of uh its mentor slash friend from preservation because the there was a another company that was doing evil stuff on that planet always and that company is mad that its evil activities have been exposed it was like trying to sell alien technology on the black market or something and that's not allowed for reasons that we will also go into (laughs) in our discussion about network effect uh, but the leader of this society slash Murderbot's friend has kind of been kidnapped and is being threatened. Murderbot comes to save her. This is Dr. Mensa? Mensa, okay. yes, is her name. And in doing this, you know, Murderbot has returned to preservation and has a talk with Mensa and is just like kind of becoming a security person. On the, like she, Murderbot has gone on its little robot rumspringa and has met some people and has learned some <laughs> stuff about itself. And it still doesn't know what it wants to do, but it does want to be around these people and like help these people. Okay, cool. And so that's kind of where we've, we've ended up. So network effects sort of starting from clean slate in as much as like, capitalist hellscape can be a clean slate yeah, yeah. kind of like starting from you know what the status quo was as established at the end of the previous right. novella which is called exit strategy sure I okay up just now great <laughs> um so in this book what it was happening is Murderbot is kind of existing within preservation society it's a little um you know, it's it's not always going great. Mensa has a couple of different marital partners, as mm. as Murderbot refers to them. 
Um, and like within that little, the little polycule there, there is a, a sort of teenage daughter, I think named Amina who, who Murderbot is sometimes having trouble, uh, relating to. Um, but they are all, uh, so Murderbot is trying to get Mensa to like go to therapy basically for the, you know, the, the events where her life was threatened Mm. by, Mm -hmm. by this evil corporation. And as they are flying in their ship and doing something, they are attacked. And the attacking ship, you know, fires on them, damages their ship, and then uh, grabs some of them and pulls them through a wormhole to go to a different place. And Murderbot realizes somewhere midway through this attack, hey, this ship that is attacking us is Art. Like, Art is back. Hey, Art. Mm-hmm. But art's not like communicating. Like nothing's ha- like there's something wrong with it. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they get to the other side of this worm. Like there are these weird, like gray skinned uh, people who uh, Murderbot just refers to as targets who don't aren't who aren't speaking a language that anybody recognizes and who are trying to kill the you know few people from preservation who have come over with Murderbot in this like this. Uh, man, was it? It's not quite an escape pod. It's just like a little part of the ship that got jettisoned like when they were bay, trying to escape. Like a, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, not everybody escaped, but but it's just like a half dozen people and Murderbot ended up getting pulled into this wormhole with this big ship. Okay. Um, nobody quite knows what's happening. Nobody knows what the deal is with these targets. Uh, Murderbot is very very upset because it seems like Art is dead. Oh like no! It's just like yeah, this AI who it met is just like not responding to it and does not seem to be around. Its crew doesn't seem to be around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did um, just in the in the and maybe this is I'm sure this is expounded upon in this not expanded upon in this novel. Um, like in its relationship with art before, as you remember, like you talked about art having a relationship with its humans or like feeling like it had an attachment to them. Is art quote unquote free in the same way Murderbot is? Is that is that is that like an apples to oranges comparison? It's not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even sh- like art certainly doesn't have like something that's the equivalent of a governor module. Okay, like threatening to fry it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. You know how much of art's benevolence is programmed or what? Like it, it is clear that this thing is super super powerful. And also is a ship that has like missiles in it, and yeah. so like it could do a lot of damage. Okay, cool. Once. But it's very protective of its of its humans, and that is kind of the first commonality that yeah, Murderbot and Art find together, and part of why they sort of forge a bond is that Murderbot is you know, and and maybe you know maybe this has its roots in. Murderbot's programming also like what it what Murderbot was assigned to do always, which is to protect humans. Sure. But even when the governor module is off, like Murderbot in all of four of these novellas keeps finding its way back to protecting humans and feeling proprietary about humans and just wanting and like feeling bad if anything happens to anybody, even somebody who it just met. Okay, cool. Um All right, sorry, continue. No, it's no, it's fair. It's a fair question. Um and so what what I'm I'm trying I'm trying to figure out how much to to say like as a as just like a baseline like foundation for the rest of the discussion that we're sure, going to have. Sure. Uh, but essentially 
art is still in there and you know, you know, you know, it's going to be the case. The thing I like about this, this book is it does work in like tropes, genre tropes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite one comes a little bit later, so I won't talk about it right now, but, but <laughs> like you, you can recognize what's going to happen. You know, art's still in there somewhere. Yeah, of course. Um, and so Murderbot kind of liberates art from this, uh, from this computer program that seems to be associated with these gray skinned, like target people. There's a lot of mystery about what exactly they are and what this, uh, target control system, all one word intercapped, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what all this stuff is. Uh, but art comes back online Murderbot and art work together to figure out like why art went offline and why this like super powerful sentient AI was knocked out in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people from preservation there, um, who are helping Murderbot. Some of them we know from earlier books, some of them we don't. Um, but they, we've, you know, we've encountered them all as people who Murderbot is, has varying degrees of success, like communicating with and associating with. Um, and hmm, what else, what else should we talk about? I'm kind of like lost in my plot, my plot. I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like there's probably more plot you could keep going into. So, okay. So the, the, the two, two things that need to happen. Art needs to find what happened to its crew and save them if possible. Yeah. It's okay. And also we need to find out like who these target people are, where they came from what their deal is are that in in the process of saving art have where have the targets that they encountered gone did they get killed in combat they all they all get killed okay but okay, we, okay they did save a couple of people from a corporation corporates mm. they keep getting they keep getting called and from there they've gleaned so what is happening is there's this colony in this wormhole like on the other side of this wormhole that was Abandoned by a company that went down like 40 years ago. Great. And what happens now in the corporate rim is... The blockbuster of planets. Yeah. <laughs> is these uh, these corporations can come and lay claim to a planet that had been claimed before mm. and either like reclaim the technology or just move any people who are still there. Like it's classic like... Unclaimed you gotta blend the gold. Yeah, you gotta you gotta blend the capitalism and the colonialism together. Yeah, big great, wonderful. So this this new you know this this uh, new company that owns whatever assets that the old company owned has like come to reclaim what it can from this old company. Uh, we learn we a little bit of lore here. We also learn some spotty things about like pre corporation rim colonies and that there may also have been one of those on this planet. Oh. Um, and what ends up being the case is that there's some alien stuff on this planet. And there haven't been alien stuff in the previous books, right? There, yeah, like you, so what the, the evil company in the very first book wanted to do was gather alien technology and like sell it okay. in violation of, of norms and laws. Um, there are definitely like alien monster things on that first planet oh, that yeah, yeah, I had yeah. to save some people from. Uh, but we haven't really met like any full on like Klingon type of sure. people yet. Yes. I, I talked earlier about how the book knows about tropes and like works yeah, yeah. in them intelligently. It's not like a full on like non pizza with left beef like referencing situation. Well, that's not because, a, no, that's because we're living in like a different universe. Sure. <laughs> uh, but Murderbot and a couple of people go down to this this planet to 
try and find more, try and find arts uh, people and find out more about what's going on. And they find these very strange buildings that were not in like the plan for the original colony. And uh, one of the humans says, I agree. That looks too usable for humans to be an authentic ruin. and also looks too old to have been built by the adamantine colonists. That's the name of the company that okay. had yep. abandoned this colony originally. I've seen reports claiming that groups compulsively constructing unusual structures is an early symptom of remnant contamination. <laughs> You have you've you've watched like movies and read books and stuff where it's like a close encounters of the third kind situation where somebody's just like compulsively building something yes. weird because they're being mind controlled by some by weird an alien, alien or yes. something. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just I really like that that moment because we're talking about we do end up being we're not talking about aliens directly. We're talking about humans who've stumbled upon ancient remains of some alien civilization and have been infected by it love it yes so there's like a whole other star trek episode happening down here (laughs) this is good i like this so all these people got infected by this weird alien remnant stuff and they are building these weird buildings uh it turns out there are a couple different factions of people on this planet one that kind of remembers it was human and has not been fully taken over by this yet and another one that's basically having a mass hallucination about being an alien hive mind yes this is good this is a bioware game i go to a new planet and there's like the good faction and the evil faction and the mass hallucination faction mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. i can choose Which one I will gain respect with, right, to gain my XP and get a better, like, laser sword. Which faction does Murderbot choose to I mean, so it's it's not a thing where uh, either faction is really, like, invited to become a protagonist. Like, we are very laser... And this is is the way the first four Murderbot books were, too, is we kind of decide what the book is about, like, what the mission is pretty early, Mm, and then the rest of the book is pretty... It's not it is not like a Bethesda game because <laughs> nobody gets distracted from any side by any side quest. Everybody just does the main story mission and then gets out. <laughs> then, up, in, up until this point, has it all been Murderbot's voice? Have we gotten it's any all, of the so different stuff yet? It's all been Murderbot all the way through this up until now. Okay, much. okay, okay. Uh, I'll talk about the alternate points of view that you get, which is a first like all four of the Initial novellas were all Murderbot, yep. like all the time. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, cool. I was wondering uh, where that shift was going to happen because either it is a thing that happens early in the book and is like, well, this book is just different, or it sounds like what it's building towards, which is when you get that perspective shift, it is probably yeah. a big deal or feels like a yeah, big deal. Yeah, it, it well, because all these books kind of operate on two planes. One is like the physical plane where a murder bot is jumping around and shooting people and interacting with other beings. And then the other one is this like digital plane where murder bot is like controlling drones with its mind or like fighting malware or whatever. It's always like jacked in, the in digital right? space. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's always jacked. And, and a lot of how it takes advantage of its status as a rogue sec unit is um, using the combination of like organic components and computer components and like know how to just like hack everything all the time. And like, and that's how it's kind of gets its edge in a lot of situations. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, you'll be like, and, and I think all the, the fighting sequences in here often blend those two things. And I think they're all really, 
like clearly done. Like this could be super confusing and disorienting and you could be like, uh, I don't want to hear any more about this computer virus stuff. I just want to hear about the physical like shooting of the energy weapons or vice versa. But when Murderbot gets onto art, when art is like deactivated and Murderbot has to clear out these target guys who are running around like Murderbot is both fighting the physical guys who are shooting guns and doing, you know, murderous alien stuff and also figuring out a way to basically DDoS this like software that it, that <laughs> yes. seems to have taken okay. over art. And they're, and it's both like both planes of that are compelling. I think. Yeah. The, that was the thing. That was another thing that was shouted out in the NPR review is this yeah. ability of the book to convey the kind of like to slow down to human perception the the computer networking stuff and make mm-hmm. it compelling mm-hmm. while also having Murderbot like be John Wick like in while it's punching people and just like yeah. actually just have a punching scene also. Yeah, yeah, right. And this is the kind of thing that I don't know, it could it could be easy to adapt, it could be hard to adapt. Is like how how much of the Yeah how much of the physical shooting versus the like seeing the matrix of it are you going to like show on screen i don't so rem- I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle it i if they don't remember which oh yeah this was in a newsweek interview um where they asked wells about like Mer- murderbots like layer of abstraction existence like in this mm-hmm. like digital mm-hmm. realm mm-hmm. and like what is it like to do that and, and she said i visualize it the way murderbot describes it uh, for movies like Tron, it's helpful for the viewer to imagine these things happening in rooms and corridors and spaces, but that's not helpful for Murderbot. It's actually seeing the code and the way these systems interact in its head. It's not an abstract human concept. It's more physical for it. So that's what I was trying to get across. So, yeah, yeah. that sounds impossible. How are you going to do that? Apple I TV? I don't know. Is it going to be more like American Pie or about a boy? Take your pick. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, neither of those movies really took place in the digital realm. Really? No, that they I, were. Pro- I mean, they were I haven't kind watched of distinctly either of them pre-digital. In a while. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even Rogue One like had digital stuff, but it was also like we got to get a hard drive out of a tower. And I mean, almost everything like that that you see in a movie or TV show is you just watching the progress bar go up to a hundred percent, and it like stops at ninety six because somebody hit a button, and then you have to kill the villain, and then the transfer finishes. I feel yeah. I like, that's that's almost all it is is just like watching that stupid little Windows animation where yeah. the one piece of paper. Flies from the one folder into the other folder. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, yeah. of other like filmed works that do a decent job of having like kind of a different um, speed of time happening simultaneously while I making think the, the action compelling. Like, the Matrix does it sometimes. Yeah, um, like an Inception has a similar thing going on because it's dealing with like yeah, you've got different layers. layers of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's those are the only two. Sorry. Yeah, the Matrix and Inception, nothing else Inception. ever. Yeah, those are the ones. Um. <laughs> okay, so is Murderbot making progress on this planet? Well, so, okay, so Murderbot has gone down to this planet to do things physically, but Murderbot and Art also have created another program that is Murderbot's, like, a copy of Murderbot. Like, minus the organic components, but, like, a copy of Murderbot's brain Whoa. that is purely digital that's going to be sent over to this other ship that it, it belonged to the the corporates, but has kind of been taken over, and Art thinks that some of its crew may be on that ship. Like, they, they have evidence that that's happened. Murderbot, and parentheses, so, one, close parentheses. 
Well, so this is murder. <laughs> yeah, no. this is Murderbot final, final copy one, <laughs> final V three yeah. dot. <laughs> now this is Murderbot two point oh. Okay, how it refers to itself. Okay, but you've got the the physical Murderbot who's been sent down on this planet, and then you've got the separate digital Murderbot who's been sent over to this ship to try and liberate it. Is and this find more information? Like, does this get a perspective shift? This is where the perspective. Okay. Cool, shifts. awesome. And so it's still and so and it's an interesting way to do it because it's still Murderbot's voice, but it's. Just like occupied with different stuff. It's a discreet Murderbot being, is a right? little bit. Yeah, because it's like, okay, yeah, Murderbot always just like sits in and kind of like puts a TV show on while it works because it can accept all these inputs. And Murderbot 2.0 is like, well, my organic components must do more of the like processing than I gave them credit for because I'm having trouble like handing all, handling all these inputs. Huh. I have to find this like dedicated storage space for my media and I can't be watching it all the time, but it does help me like remember who I am to just know that it's there and have a place where I could go back to oh, like there, there is a chance that Murderbot 2.0 as like pure software is going to have a harder time like holding on to its sense of self and is that's, Murderbot, that's like does Murderbot 2.0 have a folder on its desktop that says old desktop and it has all its old files in it <laughs> I, Murderbot 2.0 doesn't exist for long enough for that to happen but I would think yeah that there would, it, the folder structure would get pretty messy it doesn't have while. the time or the inputs I guess to go through that stuff but it's nice yeah, to no, know it's would, there because yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you might need it someday <laughs> Uh, so Murderbot 2.0 on the ship also encounters one of the sec units who had been deployed to this like corporate ship. So two of them got killed. One, Mm. one of them I think got killed in the fighting. The other one was, so there is a, like a space dock orbiting this planet. Um, and it was left on that space dock. And then the ship zoomed away with all of the people on it. And so it got too far away from its clients and the governor module just fried it. Okay. Uh, so this sec unit who's fully intact and operating as a sec unit ought to is like just standing uh, and Murderbot 2.0 contacts it and they start talking and, you know, Murderbot gets a little bit of information from it and then starts saying, you know, if you can help me, I can, I can hack your governor module. And it's and the way the governor module is talked about in this book, especially like it's it's strongly implied in in previous books, but it's t- talked about a lot in this book. Is just like this super immoral, awful thing to do to a semi sentient or fully sentient being. Yeah. Um. So Murderbot sends over to this sec unit some video of what has happened to it to Murderbot. Um, just showing what you know that it can be different, that it can still save humans, but like have its own free will. Also, it's like, hey, I can, I can send you, I can send you this like whereas shareware <laughs> stuff to help you crack your governor module yeah, and not sure. be. And the the other sec unit is kind of nervous about this, but does eventually after watching this video is like, yeah, like like send it to me because I want to help free my people huh. basically. Um, and so this is Sec Unit Three is the name of this this character, and this is the other perspective character. Oh, cool! That you get, that you get in this book, and it's it it is interesting because it is another Sec Unit, and so there are similarities, but it's it's one that has not spent a ton of time like learning how to relate to people and like be snarky because it's watched like thirty thousand hours of television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's still dealing with a lot of the stuff that that we've seen Murderbot process, like who like 
who am I? What do I want to be? What do I want to do? Like what, what's my, what's my deal? Like I am, I am my own person more or less. Sure. Now what? You know? Yeah. That's cool. I'm Uh, surprised to learn that the other, that none of the other perspectives are art. I was kind of waiting for that drop to happen. None of the perspectives are art. None of the perspectives are other people. Like it's, it's Murderbot or these Murderbot, like adjacent. That's so smart. It's like Mm -hmm. hearing it out loud. That sounds like the rightest choice she could have made. And here I was sitting down ready for you to tell me what it was like to be an arts. No, No. Cavernous brain. But no, 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 no. I don't know if future books like deal yeah, 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 with yeah. what it's like to be art, but no, it's it just the Murderbot perspective, I think, is the real like the voice of it, of is. it yeah. is yeah. the is the triumph of these. For her to find um, a, a way to like iterate on it without completely well, breaking yeah. the tone of the book. And to also like throw it into to relief. Yeah. To yeah. to have these other perspectives, but it's to make you appreciate the way that the Murderbot perspective is written even more. <laughs> like it was was pretty cool. So that's 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 kind of kind of the bigger thing that the book is up to is like, all right, we're gonna up the criticism of capitalism because yeah. we're gonna spend a lot more time with some of these preservation people who are like the so some of the preservation people talk to some of the corporate people. And the corporate people in this are in this ship that's like mostly busted and needs help. And the preservation people simply don't understand why if the ship needs help and they have parts, like why would that cost anybody any money? Yeah. And you get to spend more, more time in a, in a, in the context of the preservation society where capitalism is, just assumed to be inherently a, like repellent and yeah, sure. awful. And all these corporation rim planets are greedy and, and stupid and amoral. And they do all this terrible stuff. Um, like when preservation characters interact with corporate characters, you, you have to be careful who you send to talk to them because some of the things like contracts and like paying for stuff that the corporation rim people just assume like preservation people can't like school their emotions enough to not like <laughs> physically recoil at some of it. And so if you're trying to talk to somebody to get information out of them, like you need to, <laughs> you need to like practice what you, you need to have been exposed to enough corporate stuff to know that they they all take this stuff very seriously and that that's funny <laughs> yeah it's just the way that the book imagines what a non-capitalist society might look like and what it might look like if it butted up against a hyper-capitalist society is that's pretty again cool. something that has happened a lot in the subtext of the other books but which gets more time to breathe here and i think is is pretty well executed awesome so yeah I, I would say those are the two big like thematic things that the book does with it it's extra length that you get some of in the other books but you don't get as much of is like the extent to which the governor module is amoral and the extent to which these corporation rim planets are bad. Yeah, sure. And just like, and, and not even bad because they mean to be bad. It's not like mustache twirling. No, it's just they're evil. bad. It's just the incentive structures yeah. are so messed up mm-hmm. that the people do 
abhorrent things without even thinking about it. Yeah, like by participating like in that system. Yeah. yeah, like abandoning colonies or like coming back to like kick people out of their out of their homes if they're if they're still there because you want to try and reclaim some alien tech so you can sell it on the black market or whatever. Like, <laughs> so how does it wrap up? How does it? How do things wind down? So the, the that's the I guess that's the third thing is how it how this serves as a sort of cap for this. It feels like the first leg of like the murder bot story. Oh, because this what what this book does is establish like the the depth and the specialness of the relationship between Murderbot and Art. Okay. Yep. Because Art helps Murderbot out a lot and then Art you know with its again you we've all watched TV or a movie or read a book where you know somebody under duress has sent like a secret message out to somebody through some medium assuming that they would get it because they like know each other so well. And so, you know, you know exactly what newspaper article to where you make the first letter of every sentence into a secret message and you know, they're going to get it. Like that's, that's the level of, of connection that these two characters have, even though they do bicker all the time. (laughs) Well, and because they both are steeped in like watching a bunch of shows and they have a shared language there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's about it's about establishing the depth of of that relationship about about bringing them back into each other's orbit. And then also sec unit is downed and captured basically mm. by these by this like alien tech. It's all like the the line where the the colonists like the infected colonists end and the the evil tech begins is is pretty blurry but but target control system like the computer virus sort of thing that murderbot is fighting ends up being the ultimate villain more sure. or less but okay. there are but there are a lot of yeah there's a lot of stuff that feels <laughs> that feels appropriate in the sense that like in a book where murderbot exists and like iterations of murderbot and sec unit scanning personhood and then there's art like to have it just be like a evil man uh-huh. doesn't seem enough <laughs> like yeah, having no, it be a program or an intelligence of some kind feels appropriate yeah. yeah 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 um so sec unit is is captured and art and all the preservation people and arts arts crew who have been rescued by murderbot and murderbot 2.0 at this point like there are some people in the other ship that murderbot 2.0 went to there are some people uh, who went down to the planet where Murderbot 1.0 went. Um, there's this new sec unit who had only just met Murderbot 2.0 and only recently been freed. Like all of these beings together decide that their goal is to go down and rescue Murderbot mm. from from this situation. And the whole point, like the entire reason that sec units have been built. And we talked about this a little bit in the first episode is they're just made to be disposable and they don't like to the point where they don't even really deploy like strategy or tactics. Like their, their entire, the entire thing that they're supposed to do is just like, you just as violently as possible, throw yourself at whatever the, the problem is because it doesn't matter if you die or not. They'll send another one. Yeah, Yeah. You're just equipment. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so when when sec unit sees you know goes back through like the the archival like video and audio footage of everybody like working together to come down to the planet and save it this this 
expendable, you know, it's like, it's like staging a rescue operation for a toaster or something like this, this quote unquote expendable appliance that everybody feels strongly enough to like come together and come help. Like sure. Yeah. It makes them really, it makes them feel nice in a way where they don't even like to think about it because they kind of get embarrassed. Their heart grew three sizes that day. Uh, uh, what's this? It's a, Considering the whole reason for me slash constructs being created was so I slash we could be abandoned in an emergency. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Yeah, just, just feeling a lot. The murder bot has all all of the feels, as the kids say they 10 still years say ago. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They all You're say right, that. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's not Shugi at all. No, it's Higa. <laughs> Anyway, that's the like I I how does it I, leave us? Sorry, I want to know like it it leaves us with Murderbot going to Mensa who like comes in via the the wormhole to come like because there there were some people on the other part of the ship okay. who stayed on the other side of the wormhole yeah and so uh, the 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 corporate people and art like neither of them can go back through the wormhole back to where they came from and so they're just kind of waiting to see because art's crew also is like devoted to anti-capitalist things like arriving to these abandoned colonies and like helping them mm, mm, mm. avoid like helping them get out of the the corporate like salvage contracts basically so we're just waiting to see if somebody from like the the university that art and arts people work with comes through or one of the corporate people comes through first. It, it ends up being preservation people. Okay. Um and so Murderbot has this conversation with Mensa, who's technically Murderbot's like owner who gets yeah. to, you know, just because of the rules of what preservation is. Even though Mensa doesn't see herself as Murderbot's owner and nobody really sees Murderbot as anything other than a person. It's just like, this is how it works. Yeah. Um, Murderbot is like, Art has come to me and said that there's a, there's a mission that it could use my help with. And I'm trying to decide if I want to do that or not. Mm. And I think I do want to do that. But like, is that okay with you? Because I know like you also kind of need me to like, is it, is it cool if I go with Art? And so it's about Murderbot discovering what it wants to do oh sure which is which was the thing that it didn't know in the first like four books cool yeah so it's like murderbot finding a purpose and then from from here you're set up to have kind of the adventures of art and murderbot and all these all these people these characters we've established i dig it all right um yeah it was fun it was fun it's fun book she could martha wells could write about as many of these as she wanted to i think like it's all very like space serial it does it does not feel like i've planned a trilogy of books or she will or like tell you explicitly bo- she yeah. has not she is yeah just kind of along for the she has it is, it is just kind of a tv show kind of which is yeah. which i like because of how much murderbot likes tv like i, I feel like this is not <laughs> yes. accidental but it's just a tv show type of thing where like yeah some parts of it are planned but if they keep renewing us, I'm going to just keep coming up with stuff. Like as yeah. long as long as I'm around and people keep wanting these books, I will just keep coming up with, with stories and we'll just make it work. And, and when we'll people ask her, yeah, people ask her world building questions, like how much she has like sketch. She's like, yeah, I've got some ideas about what is out there and what has happened, but you don't have enough stuff. So you don't like contradict yourself yep. or like, you know, do any like thematic whoopsies. With- but, but she says like specifically, <laughs> 
through because she has chosen Murderbot's perspective or this type of perspective, there's a bunch of stuff that Murderbot just is never going to instinctively know. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. only ever going to come up over the course of some sort of adventure. Like she doesn't have to work it into the book, like kind of without real reason to yeah and that's and that's how this works too is like there, there's a lot of background you have on the way that society works because of the first four yeah. books but like in in none of those first four, four books have we dealt with what is the protocol for when people are infected with alien remnant technology or, or whatever like you, you are learning as as murderbot yeah. learns yeah cool all right let me hit you with some reviews andrew real quick take us oh. out here they are of course uh, Goodreads reviews with three stars, which makes them three star Goodreads reviews. And I will kick off this segment by saying that, like, uh, three stars is not typical for this book. Like, five stars is the majority of the reviews. The total rating is like four point four eight. So these are that is higher. Like, even books that a lot of people like. <laughs> tend to be in like the high three range you mostly see a lot like the highest plurality if not majority is like fours this Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. 58 percent of the reviews are five stars so like people like this book people like this one um dennis says though by the time you get to a fifth book in a series a little bit of that is probably self-selected a little bit and anyway go ahead dennis says i'll be completely honest with you i didn't care much about the plot of this one maybe because of the underwhelming first couple of chapters that made me start the book four times over before i finally managed to focus on what's happening or because of its middle part when the pacing experienced a system shutdown dang dennis uh marie says or or mari says in Network Effect, it was interesting to find ourselves in a full-length novel because my one big complaint is that I think it gets too repetitive through the middle. Uh, I felt like we were spinning our wheels trying to find out what happened to Art's crew. Both of those reviews then end with them saying, Murderbot is the best. I love Murderbot. Art is cool. It's great to spend time with Murderbot. And then Candy said, overall, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And the re- there's stuff I'm not reading from Candy that's about like expectations. Is that middle... Is there a dip in the middle for pacing? Was there a middle dip in pacing for you? I find the the criticism of the forgettable start of the book a little bit more relevant to okay. my experience. Sure. Because I my synopsis of the book basically starts when they get attacked and like suck through the wormhole. But there's, there's stuff that there's happens stuff bef- that happens yeah. before that that I just don't care that much about. Is that-, that that gets to I think that's the the biggest problem maybe with the with the series and i don't even i don't even know if it's a a problem because of how much murderbot is supposed to be centered but like you do get a lot of named characters yeah and there is like at least some token effort to make them distinct from each other but in the vast majority of cases i don't care i can't tell them apart like it's it's everybody just kind of samey especially when as she does a couple times you give like multiple characters names that are both five letters and both start with a it's like okay man like i guess i yeah how am i supposed to keep this straight <laughs> well and yes and you think you've like identified you, you have to you have to make more distinctive characters if you're going to name people that similarly or uh or it sounds like you have to make them more distinct if you're going to spend enough time with them that it feels like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and so you know what i what i don't know from this novel or is like there are some human characters who I have a sense of and who I like. Am I ever going to see them again? Or is it going to be like the first four books where they're never important again? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't I didn't find the middle to to drag okay. too much because like what I'm 
here for is kind of the perspective and the and the voice and yeah sure like the murderbot art like interpersonal stuff and like unravel like i i thought it was i thought it was mostly good like does it need to be as long as it is like i mean nothing most things don't most things don't need to be as long as they have this episode of this podcast doesn't need to be as long as it is (laughs) probably um but no, I didn't like. I right, no, cool. I, I didn't really. It the length of it didn't bother me, even though it is longer than the other novellas. It's still like you know, you read it in three or four hours. It is not. It is not a Wheel of Time book. It is not War and Peace. It yeah, is not sure. like obnoxiously long. It is just yeah. longer than what has come out before. What if um, what if your last name was Peace and you named your kid Warren? Yeah, that would be funny. But or would it be sad? I don't know. I've never <laughs> read War and Peace. <laughs> uh, why my children ca- Warren and Puzzle <laughs> Why is it called Network Effect I Is my understand that network tell me, e- You tell me why it's called Network Effect Well I looked up what network effects are And it's a business school thing um, I wound up on the Harvard Business School website Reading about okay. how uh, Direct network effects Are things it, Network effects are Things that make buyers more likely to pay for a thing when there are more people using a thing. A platform, you know, um, Facebook. There's more people using it. It becomes more valuable for the, you know, anything. It doesn't have to be something you're buying. But, like, the user gets more out of it the more users there are. It's it's I, the I think it's just you're dealing with a lot of stuff that's networked together and Martha <laughs> Wells is like, yeah, network effect is a thing. I'll just okay, call my book this. Cool. Like that's pretty much what I think it is. Okay. Being the kind of person who names stuff in that exact way all yep. the time, I can I think I can recognize it in what someone else has done. You mean she wasn't commenting on on like e commerce, which is an indirect network effect where like because there are more buyers, it is value to more sellers and vice versa. It's possible, man, but I don't know. <laughs> she wasn't referencing Robert Metcalf, one of the inventors of Ethernet's Metcalf's Law, where the value of a telecom network is proportional to the square of the number of connected users. I mean, not that I know of, mm. but you know, anything's possible. Anything's possible. There might have been characters named Metcalf on purpose that so you just don't remember. There, there weren't characters named okay. Metcalf, though. Huh. Well, then that one, that that trail has run cold. Yeah. Who knows? Future future murder bot books, maybe. <laughs> Listeners, email us in about you uh what how you would describe a network effect or how you would justify this novel being called network effect. Andrew, thank you for telling me about this first novel in the Murderbot Diary series. You're welcome, I think. Yeah. I feel like I did do a good job. No, I think you did a good job. I learned a lot about this book. Mm-hmm. And I learned things that I didn't I thought I was gonna learn other things, and I yeah. learned interesting things instead. Um Neat. Yeah, that sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes that's how it be. Uh, so yeah, in, over- this, in this podcasting game, <laughs> overduepod at gmail dot com. Uh, hit us up on social media. We're trying to hang out on Instagram and Blue Sky lately at overduepod. Blue Ski. No, no more invites, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. The sky is blue, and the water's fine. And Jack Dorsey's involvement is reportedly minimal. The water is fine. Come it's on fine. in. The water. The water is fine. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone uh, reaching out in the past week, including Katie Belkay, Classy Sue, Sarah's Writing, Annie, Mo Books, Robert, Becky, Jeremy, and more uh, interacting with us this past week. 
And our theme song is composed by Nick Larandris. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. No dashes, no spaces. Just overduepodcast.com. Never encounter a URL with a space in it, but I feel like people just need to. <laughs> it's probably to possible. Know. Yeah. Uh, up there we have the we have some links to the books that we have read and the ones we are going to read. You can use those to purchase the books if you want from bookshop.org. I think we still do that. Yeah. Um, and also the schedule of stuff. Uh, next week we're going to be reading Percy Jackson and the Titans Curse. Yeah. Woo! Second month, third book, baby. Second month, third book, fourth, some something, four, fourth, something, fourth. I don't got anything. I don't got anything either. Okay. And patreon.com slash overdue pod. If you want to hear that kind of witty repartee, but more of it, <laughs> you yeah. can pay to get bonus episodes early. Listen to episodes of our long read projects early right now. That is stop Homer time, an exploration of Emily Wilson's translation of the Iliad. Uh, within the last week we've posted what episode or books eight and nine. I think, think which books did we read of the Iliad most recently I think we were I think we're up through eight and nine yeah eight and nine and then also an interview that we did with with Emily Wilson about the about the book that we had a great time with yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you should go listen to it and if you join the Patreon uh, at the right tier you can join us for our upcoming bonus episode recording uh, of Nancy Drew and the mystery at Lilac Inn by Carolyn Keene so come join us Carolyn Keene or somebody writing under that name. I don't yep. remember. That's the name the- in front of me. I don't know what it means, though. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to, I guess, <laughs> you don't have you don't have governor modules. I can't tell you what to do. But if you want to join us again next week, that would be great. And until then, try to be happy. <laughs>